This is the Oil and Gas Startups Podcast, where we showcase emerging technology and the stories of industry founders, investors, and leaders with your hosts, Jake Corley and Colin McClelland. What's up, Wildcatter Nation? Welcome back to the best show on the planet, Oil and Gas Startups. The best oil and gas podcast in the, in the universe. universe. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> What's up, dude? We got Cash Blackburn. What's going on? I like Cash because you shared. Uh, we actually named my son after you. Um, so, <laughs> oh, is that where it came from? That's where it came from. I don't want to tell anybody, but it wasn't that good of a name in the '80s. But it's it's uh, it's, it's making a comeback. Now. It's catching on now. It's, it's, coming, it, it's coming back in style. It was a fifty-fifty yeah. shot when that first came out. You know, we could have gone two ways. So, do you have the same nicknames that he does? We call him. He gets. see, obviously, Cash Money. Cash right? Money. Yep. Uh, little Peso. No, not yet. Yeah, <laughs> not yet. Pe- You'd be big peso. You know, big peso, yeah. <laughs> You'd be big peso. I get the, uh, do you have any cash cash? That's the normal one. And I'm like, yeah, that was. Yeah, you're like, that that's was, played that's out. That's amazing. Uh, great it's, one. You yeah. Know? It's like people calling me colon. I'm like, oh, shit, I haven't heard that before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you get the atypical, but for the most part, it, it sticks. It sticks quite quickly. We also call him Cashy Cash. We will call you that for the rest of the yeah. podcast. <laughs> go for it. Go for it. <laughs> but I'm just going to call Cash. So you're cashy uh, cash. yeah, Cashy Cash. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, cash. <laughs> so you're with Symmetry. Um, yep. You guys have deep roots in the oil and gas industry. Correct. Correct. Uh, and, and I'll go through that. So, so Sty on Oil Field Services, right, is the overarching organization. Um, and then from there, spun out with that is the Italian Stallion. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and you have uh, Underneath that would be Starcom. Okay. And Starcom does have a, a deeper seated meaning, right? Um, Stallion Remote Communications uh, is where that initially came from. And through the years, we've organically grown Starcom to be one of the you know, premier upstream oil and gas connectivity solutions in the United mm-hmm. States. And outside the output of that, uh, of years of working in the cellular data uh, collectively, is, uh, is symmetry. So that's that's really the uh, the hierarchy of of or the progression of of where yeah, we are let's, today. Let's unpack all of that a yeah. little bit because stallion, uh, stallion. When I think of stallion, um, you know, trailers, uh, living quarters yeah. for uh, upstream. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I've stayed in tons of stallion trailers. The that, orange. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I always think of the orange uh, yeah. horse logo. Um, so you guys had that and then, uh, was it Star Starcom? Yeah. So Starcom was a necessity of connectivity, right? <laughs> yeah. So are we talking, you know, satellite connectivity all the above. out on yeah, okay. all the above. And, and so obviously you have the trailers, water, sewer, you know, power generation, et cetera. Um, the natural progression of, of that is connectivity. Um, how are you going to watch it, Netflix out there? It, it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know I mean? Exactly. Uh, so you have internet and, and it traditionally, like you said, it came from VSAT. Yeah. Um, you know, you go back 10, 15 years, that was the only transport that we had to, to achieve connectivity in, in rural America, uh, offshore, yeah. you know, Angola, you name it, right, across the world. Um, it being in these rural environments, uh, along came 3G, 4G, and the next evolution, 5G. Uh, that quickly, you know, that paradigm quickly changed from VSAT to high-speed internet throughput, uh, where you could, you know, supply an entire rig with internet connectivity and uh, high high data speed throughput with directional antennas and and so there's just that natural progression and evolution that technology always pushes you forward um and, and so again vsat started off but then as the tower started getting built out and connectivity started to be more abundant uh on the transport side uh, the demand was there right uh, the consumers obviously 
oil and gas in this in this instance uh, requires you know high speed transmission for real time data. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the more and more every day, more and more every day. Uh, that that's the general consumer around the world, right? Yeah. Uh, how we consume our data uh, is just happening quicker and quicker and quicker, and the amount of bandwidth that we require uh, to consume that data uh, is just getting greater and greater. So. Uh, that's that's really the evolution of Starcom and the connectivity. And Starcom does a lot more um, than just the the tran- transport layer, right? So, uh, and and I know this is about symmetry, but the, yeah, it, to understand the roots, right, uh, of where we are today, um, Starcom does you know BDAs, right? So if there's no cellular connectivity at all, they can light up a sixty what we call a cow a cell on wheels, sixty foot tower, hundred and six foot tower, you know, take that cell phone signal. From a tower that you would not be able to achieve service on and reamplify that across the pad. Set up yeah. a repeater. Setting up a repeater. Hey, that's my that's, that's exactly what I used to do in the Marine Corps. <laughs> on yeah. steroids. Yeah, on steroids. <laughs> wait, so, wait, wait. So now I'm diving to how is it? How is it on steroids? So you have the traditional boosters, right? Yeah. Uh, those those the Wii boost, right? The sure calls, things of that nature. Those will typically get typically get put in the the housing and accommodations. Um, this is an industrial repeater lighting up a whole pad. Now, compared to the military, no. I don't want to say compared to the military, it's better, right? Uh, hey, whenever you say military grade, that is not a compliment. <laughs> that, is, that means it's the lowest, lowest, no, you, the lowest bid uh, from all your vendors, and it's all pieces of shit. So, uh, I mean, we had some, I mean, comms. But the, yeah. the, 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 the thing was that we had in our pockets iPhones that could do so much more than any of the comm equipment that we had there on site. The only difference was that that was highly, highly encrypted. Absolutely. That's it. Yep. Yeah, no, I mean, if you look at when I got in the oil field, I started roughnecking 2010 timeframe and the level of connectivity you had back then to what you have now. <clears throat> I'd even say like within the last, let's call it five years, yep. um, it's just really transformed, right? To used to, it, it was like the adoption of technology was hamstrung by connectivity issues. Yep. And really, yep. you don't hear about that. Like no one really points to, oh, well, we don't have connectivity. So we can't run or deploy technology. That's a good point. That used to be the number one thing. It was just like, well, why we have no connectivity? Yeah. Now that I stop and think about it, I haven't heard that mentioned. Yeah, no once. one really talks about it anymore. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's much greater than data. Uh, it's an HSE issue, right? Yeah. If you can't make a phone call or you can't call for help. or um, And that we find that in construction all the time in remote desolate areas where uh, we get called out to, to put a, a cow cell on wheels and just to put signal strength out there so they don't have to drive you know, a quarter mile or a mile up the road to, to be able yeah. to call someone for One safety. of my coworkers got his fingers cut off and we didn't have cell phone signals, signal. We just took his glove, had his fingers in it, we threw it in the back of a pickup and drove him to a hospital. We yep. didn't have cell phone signal to call anyone out in the middle of West Texas. Yep. So, yeah, you talk about HSE impacts and being able to be connected and get help. Um, that's huge. It is. It's, it's definitely, it's a, it's a problem. It, we rely on it, right? We rely on it so much. And, and so Starcom, you know, out of Starcom from there just came an abundance of data utilization. And, and from there, that became a serious problem for us to manage. And, and I think if you, if you have a transport on the cellular side, more than greater than a single or a couple of zip codes that you operate out of, uh, you can't, you know, unfortunately just use a single carrier, right? There's particular hotspots, South Texas, right? Traditionally, AT and T, West Texas, tr- mm-hmm. traditionally Verizon. So you have these 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 kind of stakes in the ground there, where you you really do have to use multiple carriers to achieve reliable connectivity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had this abundance of data that we had to manage, right? Uh, just thousands of SIMs we had to manage, and and this isn't a problem that's unique to us. And and so we really looked at that and said, 
how do we make this more simple? Uh, it was taking up hours of time and labor just to, we had to, so that the, the, the quote unquote um, discounts achieved by uh, said utilization, the output of that is, is us hiring an FTE to manage that data, right? It's a totally different problem now you have is that you're supplementing um, costs from one side and, and moving it over to another. Mm. So it's really a wash at the end, right? Yeah. Um, and, and really thought down and went into a think tank and said, this is such a serious problem for me. It cannot be unique across all industries, right? Yeah. And, and so we really, we, we hit the ground running in 2020. Um, that's when that kind of think tank and we started designing and implementing how we're going to strategize and accomplish this. And it's the best year to start a new brand. It, it is, it is, uh, <laughs> it is. And, and so that, that's, that's when we were really excited to launch symmetry, which has been a great success. And, uh, we provide tier one, uh, carrier agnostic cellular data. Uh, so what we really do is we look at what do you need, uh, to complete that job or task, right. That you may have on your hands and, and, we listen to what that feedback is, uh, and then we provide the best alternatives and the best options that you have uh, at our capability and disposal, which is everything. Um, we really, we have a, a full portfolio of opportunities you can tap into. So essentially, yeah. you guys are the, like the turnkey kind of data provider for Absolutely. any of the devices that a company may have. So just say you're an ENP or oil field service company, you've got thousands of tablets and iot phone of my bitcoin out in the middle yeah. of wyoming i can <laughs> that call is you getting guys really big yes yeah. yes yeah. You it can. is getting really big that's it why is. i'm asking <laughs> <laughs> you can you can uh and, and not only that what i what i think is really cool and unique is is traditionally when you're managing this data you have to access multiple different platforms right from different carriers and we've taken all that data and consolidated it into one uh single pane of glass so you can see all of your utilization, all the carrier throughput, everything from each individual carrier in itself and see all that data at one time, uh, which is just makes life a lot easier for you, right? And, yeah. and if, you're, if you're on the um, AP side, right? Uh, and you're, you're worried about the finances, every bill, you know, every carrier has a different bill cycle. Yeah. So you have to manage the second, the 15th, the 30th, right? And you're managing all these different bill cycles. And uh, we consolidate that uh, as well. So oh, nice. it, it just makes life just a, a lot easier for the consumer, uh, for the people that are supporting uh, that aspect of it within an organization. Yeah, I mean, so never like, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, because earlier, before we got on the mic, we were talking about uh, cutting the cable and getting rid of cable. Um, and then kind of what happened from that, you know, it was like, okay, you got Netflix, you got Amazon Prime, you got yeah. Disney Plus and Hulu. and Yeah, I pay it, more in streaming services. Yeah, yeah now we're to that point where you pay more in streaming services. Um, but it's just interesting that we were talking about that because the way I see this is like, okay, you got all these different carriers, right? Yep. And you know, all right, if we have remote operations, especially like you brought up in Texas, like, okay, you have South Texas, East Texas, West Texas, North Texas, and you may have stronger hotspots. So you know that you need to be leveraging other or a, a variety of carriers. But it's better to work with a intermediary like you guys that packages all like you interface with one yep. company. And essentially it's like, Hey, let us bundle everything, provide services and infrastructure. And you only deal with us. You're not having to deal with AT&T and Verizon. Correct. Correct. Yeah. In the grand scheme of saying things, right. It's a one throat to, to choke. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I just <laughs> so like what I find interesting and kind of tying this back to cutting the cable and all the streaming services is that it's like, you almost see ebbs and flows 
of bundling and unbundling and bundling back. And it's really interesting if you stay on those patterns, like you can create businesses that it's like, oh, hey, there's a value proposition now to be, you know, the the one platform that, hey, we'll we'll bundle all that for you and work with them. And then someday it's like maybe you guys like, oh, it makes sense to, you know, strip something off. But there's always just this constant tug of war of bundling and unbundling of services. Correct, correct, and 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 that was just the start, right? That was just the, just the start uh, of where we're at today. So on top of that, right, we do a firewall on the service, right, or firewall, firewall as a service, and what that allows you to do is is do all your content filtering directly on the sim, bandwidth managing, rate limiting, uh, application layer shaping, right. So if you want someone to, and be honest, like I don't know. Here we go. Ready? I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna put. I'm gonna put. I know this, what some of the words I'm gonna put, mean, I'm gonna, but I'm gonna put this down. <laughs> relax, really, you know. Uh, so, so let's just say, you know, data consumed on a location could be 60% of that data could just be trashed, right? Crew morale data. Um, and so if you're, if let's say 20% of that, 10% of that is just Facebook videos, YouTube, right? Um, it's going to allow you to throttle that down, that crew morale traffic down and give your business class applications higher throughput. Right. Mm. And so it Man, gives you full control. Be getting throttled. Uh, He's like, <laughs> I didn't say block. I don't want to do that, right? If I get block, I'm Facebook video I won't ever get a job. So, me. <laughs> uh, but you can you can block that content, right? It, yeah. It, 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 there's it allows you to shape and, and manipulate that data. Yeah. Uh, however you want it, however you see fit. And then you know, with with COVID nineteen, it brought another challenge, right? Because you now you had distance learning coming in, and that was really a that was really a hotbed uh, of of unfortunate. Right uh, of unfortunate events that occurred, and yeah. you had you had IT staff that were traditionally, and I know we're sh- shifting gears here, right? But it kind of speaks to how we got to the that that point of a firewall as a service standpoint on SIM cards, and you had you have IT staff that were depleted already, that were used to managing infrastructure local, like data centers, not remote field ac- a- um, assets, right? And and now these assets are going into the hands of someone who could be five years old, could be 15, could be 18 uh, for distance learning. And, and, and so we had to layer on what's called SIPA content filtering, which is a Children's Internet Protection Act. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of cool stuff that we bundle in with these sims that, that we can add on, right? So we have the default, right? Hey, you want data? Uh, but then we have on the private APNs that we can backhaul to your, your cloud instance or your data centers. And then we can do content filtering on top of that. So there's these other, other layers that as we peeled back the onion, uh, that we could massage this data and provide a better a better service than than what yeah. many have today. So, do you guys, um, you know, with the the new entity, is it focused on oil and gas specifically? Um, because when I think of Stallion, yeah, I don't know if Stallion ever moved outside of oil and gas, <laughs> or if it was just upstream oil and gas. You know, I'm sure that there's other remote industries, you know, construction or you know yeah. traditional mining things of that nature. So, yeah. do you guys focus on oil and gas, or they're adjacent verticals? Uh, they're they're adjacent. I mean. Obviously, our with our, our roots being in oil and gas, um, that's where most of our relationships started off. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were able to leverage some of those relationships to say, hey, how does this sound, right? Kind of a proof of concept, um, a go-to-market. So our go-to-market before we even had our website up or anything was call our friends, right, that, that are that are in, in, in the industry and see what see what happens, right? It's the best deployment strategy. You, you yeah, have to call our you, friends. <laughs> you have to call your friends and say, what does this what do you think, right? Does this sound appealing? Doesn't can we talk about the the story that you and I talked about prior, like how how it 
further came about with the one client? Yeah, yeah, go go for it. Go I don't for know. It. You want to talk about it? Yeah, you talk about All right, it. I don't know the story. I don't remember the story. I'll butcher it. I don't want to spill all the beans, so I'm not going to put out the name. So. Because I, I I do plan to regurgitate or uh, echo this this yeah. uh, this conversation uh, at Energy Tech Night, right? Yeah. Um, but that really the the root of everything is we were talking to a, a client, um, a large uh, service provider uh, in the oil field, and and so we're sitting down with this individual who's very well known in the IT community, um, and they said, "Here's the deal, right? We do everything ourselves. We have all of our own hardware. We have all of our own t- technicians." We do everything ourselves, right? How could you possibly help me? Kind of a slap in the face, right? <laughs> uh, and, and so you had to, you kind of, you know, swallow your pride a little bit. I, I appreciate it. Challenge accepted. Challenge accepted. <laughs> and we like to call it the Pepsi challenge, right? Uh, <laughs> Pepsi we'll challenge. take that Pepsi challenge, right? <laughs> and that's what was the motivating factor for us to get into the think tank and say, okay, how do we help someone who already has it all? right? Who already, you know, they have the IT staff, they have the data centers, they have the software, the connectivity, and, and really they just do everything in-house, right? Um, where do we know that their pain points are? Because if you're doing that and you're in the same field as, as us, we know you have the same problem we did. And that's where the, yeah. the, the output of that um, was symmetry. And it, it's been so far uh, an amazing experience and, and probably one of the best decisions we've, uh, we've made. It's really starting this and bringing this to light. It's kind of interesting to think about the evolution of Stallion. This episode is brought to you by our friends over at Liquid Frameworks. Liquid Frameworks has become the standard in field operations management software over the past decade with their field effects platform. With field effects, ENPs and OFS companies can transform how they manage and control field operations while eliminating the mountains of paperwork that comes along with it. Field effects makes field operations easy and efficient by streamlining communication between the accounting department, field operations, and the entire back office. They're trusted by some of the most respected teams in the industry, such as Stallion Oil Field Services, Superior Energy Services, RPC, Basic Energy Services, Key Energy Services, Liberty Oil Field Services, and anybody else who has services in their name is pretty much a customer. So if you've been thinking about ditching paper on Excel and modernizing your field operations and making your guys' lives easier, reach out to the team over there. You can check them out at liquidframeworks.com. They're also going to be the headlining sponsor and presenting at Energy Tech Night Houston on October 27th, 2021. So if you're listening, time you can come and check them out they're going to be demoing the software live as well the whole team will be there if you want to chat with them like i said you can go to liquidframeworks.com we'll also leave a link in the show notes you know because when i think of stallion like i told you it's like trailers which is great yep. business but not a sexy business nope like, yep. there's nothing sexy about trailers and shitters out on location but pretty know, upset if you don't have them though yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> very definitely true. definitely sucks if you don't have them um but then move into uh data transmission and connectivity you know yep. through um you know satellite or whatever it may be and then it just keeps evolving until you become more it, it's like an evolution from a trailer company to more of a tech and telecoms you know provider um so it's really interesting to hear about that that transition didn't when, clayton williams get into telecom back in the day that's kind of random <laughs> i was just thinking about that don't put me on the spot like that. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't <laughs> I don't know, know if he did or not. <laughs> I thought everybody from Midland knew his story. I don't know. Um, actually, we had someone uh, who wasn't on the show. Uh, oh, it was uh, Panther. Wasn't it Panther? Uh, they had one of their dads was at Stallion. 
I think he was the founder the, of Stallion. Founder who, who's Stallion. the founder of Stallion? You know, we're gonna put me on the spot. Oh, we're gonna yeah. put you on the spot now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Cash is about to be fired yeah, if you can't hit. Cameron, do you know? <laughs> Cameron's not on it. There you Craig go. Craig Johnson. Okay. Yeah. Was, what was his name? Uh, I can't remember. But Gall uh, Gallio. I know Stallion. I think Stallion has been through a couple of. It's been through a couple of acquisitions, but yeah, he was the founder of it. That's the um, one part you're gonna cut up, by the way. We gotta cut <laughs> <it out. laughs> He's like, yeah, but you're no, no, my, so like my, that on my, here. Look, this is the the first um, land-based oil and gas company that I've, I've I've worked for, right? This is this is it's always been offshore. Oh, North, really? North Sea, Norway, Azerbaijan, Angola, Brazil, uh, providing offshore telecoms around the world. Really? So that this was a considerable leap for me, um, coming back stateside, right, yeah. and, and getting into what man, I, I was sorely wrong when I thought, wow, if I could do offshore, what's West Texas? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I greatly underestimated that one. Talk about that a little bit. Like why, like, you know, I, I think that it's easy to make that assumption. Like if I can do offshore, because if you have worked offshore and land, like, I mean, it's two different worlds. Like Completely. I remember, you know, I grew up on land and then when I went offshore, I was like, holy shit, this is so much more professional out here. Offshore, um, yes. What I mean, what challenges did you see, you know, going into a West Texas or a land environment that, you know, I think one thing that sticks out to me is what you do with less resources on land compared, you know, offshore has a lot of money uh, behind it. Agreed. So you have access to resources out in land like you don't get that big of a budget. Everything is very thoughtful and thorough uh, offshore. Yeah, uh, you know, you do a lot of factory activation tests. Everything's tested and then tested again, mm -hmm. uh, every nut bolt before it's deployed, right? Because that helo flight or that boat or what have you, uh, that's a considerable downtime, right? There's all mm -hmm. sorts of economic repercussions and, and everything else all, along the way. So, um, on the land side, I was just it, it was pure ignorance, right? Uh, I was so used to having power. Uh, 110, 220. Like, yeah. it was so, that was the basic questions. I was yeah. so used to just having power. Uh, that was an abundance. I was just, and then, and then, you know, hitting, hitting West Texas, uh, through all the basins, right? That's a, that's a serious problem. It's yeah. just getting power and connectivity and um, resources and the constant moves, right? It was just, everything's just, you know, every couple of weeks, just moving, changing, moving, changing. your gears just getting beat up and beat up and beat up, right? Offshore for the most part, you can install something, right? Make sure it's IP66 rated offshore, like, like salt water and everything else can, it's, it's not going to be corroded and mm -hmm. everything goes into a nice, you know, equipment rack. And it just, you know, for the most part, it, it's, it's there, right? Yeah, I said it's professional. It, it's, it's like people on top of their stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and once you get that installed down, I mean, you may have your, your incidents every now and then, but for the most part, it's, it's pretty stable. Uh, and, and then in West Tech, your gear just gets beat up. You know, it, it's just the wear and tear on the gear, the constant change in, in uh, moving and, mm -hmm. and power. And it's just, it, it's very taxing when you think of um, the absence of the level of sophistication and what challenges that brings in itself. Yeah. So yeah. That, that, that to me was a, a serious challenge. Yeah, to be honest, um, you know, I I've, every time I go on a deep water drill ship, I'm just like amazed by ingenuity and human engineering but it's a different level of engineering because you go off or you go back on land and you have some workover rig hand that just figures out how to do something you're like damn that's genius <laughs> but yeah. they, they do it out of necessity because there's just a lack of resources right and they yeah. just figure out how to get it done um so it's funny because there's ingenuity on both sides but it comes in different shapes different shapes and forms but 
I was always, um, yeah, I think I went on my first offshore rig in 2014 and was kind of blown away because back then in 2014, I mean, the connectivity issue for land assets was, I mean, I feel like that was kind of the thick of it. Like people were starting to look at SaaS based software and yep. IOT, but connectivity was a barrier to that. Then you go offshore and it's just like, man, you're out in the middle of the ocean and you have great comms. You have great <laughs> internet connectivity and we're out in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico. And so I always thought that that was interesting that offshore seemed to figure that out, but land was still uh, struggling at the time. Yeah, it's it's when I first started off, um, just get out of the military uh, in in 06 mm-hmm. and started off doing satcoms for a commercial um, company and you know, the high tech was 128 by 128 uh, kilobits per second. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> that was high tech, right? And two yeah. phone calls would take up half that link. So if they were if they were literally on the phone both at the same time, kick you off. <laughs> they had 64k left over, right? I mean, it was it was, and that was high speed at the time, and the guys just loved it, right? And that's they still use fax machines, right? The Pitney Bowes. Uh, so they call them a faxes aren't working. I remember that, like FXO cards and FXS cards. And it was just, I, I remember like- You know, there's the, people who are listening who have no, like some, yeah, some of the yeah, younger, no, no, no. The younger I, I like, get it, right? graduates, like they have no clue what dial-up is. <laughs> yeah, like, I know, I know, I know. They don't know the struggle. <laughs> so the, 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 struggles, the struggle's real. And, and now, uh, you know, people would gawk at a 128K link, right? Yeah. I, it, it just wouldn't even be a thing because really all they needed it for at the time was to send reports. I'm going to send a report in the morning. I'm going to send a report in the evening. And then uh, I might call uh, call in to let them know I'm okay. And, yeah. and, and it was really, um, it was still simple at that time. And now mm-hmm. you just have so much telemetry, SCADA, real-time data, video, analytics. I mean, all the decision-making, you know, as you see the, the data side, all the decision-making or the majority of the decision-making is now being made onshore, mm-hmm. right, in, in real-time operations centers or as, mm-hmm. as much as possible. Yeah. Um, and that goes for you know, GOM or land, right? They, if they can, you know, even at a company that I'm familiar with, Oceaneering, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're working on a remote pilot program to actually drive the ROV from shore, yeah. right? So if I can take a senior technician and allow him to drive three, you know, three or four ROVs in a day instead yeah. of being on one rig. Use some Megatronics right? is doing the it, same it's thing. It's just optimization. You know, got, but yeah. the data that's required to accomplish that is enormous. Yeah. And and it's just it's a necessary evil, right? To progression is the data side. Mm-hmm. Uh and that if you take that piece lightly, you you'll stumble, right? More than you're successful. And and a lot of people do try to do it themselves and I commend them for that. And some people can be successful, right? They may get lucky. Um but for the most part if if you're in moving environments changing and like I said earlier, right? It's it's going to be very complicated. You know, the customers we talk to today are uh, that ha- do have challenges, right? That we'll talk about their antenna setup, and we'll go through and we'll ask, "What are you using, right?" And well, I'm using an omnidirectional, right? And and that's just the the basically the stick, right? It's not really pointed at anything; it just radiates in a circle. And and we highly recommend right off the bat, go directional antenna, particularly in desolate areas. Right? Find that nearest tower, learn how to tune in your antenna, and and they say, "Yeah, yeah, but what what happens when I move?" Do it again, and again, and again, because if not, if you try to do a subpar solution, it's just going to cause you more problems than than anything else. Yeah, that makes sense. So for you guys, um, I mean, are y'all mainly focused, you know, sounds like your background, you have a lot of international experience overseas. 
and I'm sure this problem extrapolates across the entire world. You Absolutely. Know, remote locations all over the world. Yeah. Um, do you guys deploy the technology and the services internationally right now, or do you all mainly focus in the U.S.? Uh, primarily, we're in the U.S. We can support Canada and Mexico, and we do have uh, global roaming sims um, mm-hmm. that are multi-MZ that we can deploy on small IoT and SCADA devices, um, which allows you to, to basically take the device anywhere, uh, it, it, any country in the world al- almost, and, and deploy and, and obtain connectivity. Cool. Uh, which, is, which is really unique because that's a single SIM card that does that. Yeah. That, so that, that requires no, no swapping out of, of any SIMs. Because uh, there's a bigger problem on the global supply chain side, right? Um, most of the equipment is not manufactured here in the States, right? It's, yeah. it's going to be outsourced somewhere else and then, and then brought in. And then sometimes you don't know if, that, if this lot or skew is going to end up in the U.S. or if it's going to end up in Canada, if it's going to, right? And you really, maybe you can control the supply chain side, maybe you can't. Um, but for the most part, putting in particular carrier SIMs into these the devices is, is very painful logistically. Uh, and so we do have a, a multi-carrier, multi-MZ capability set that, that again, is, it's, it's resourceful in the small data sets. Yeah. Uh, once you get into big data, uh, you, you know, 4K video streaming, things of that, na- that, that nature, you're going to need uh, tier one connectivity. Yeah, Which sure. goes back to the native carriers. So we only got a few more minutes. I'm going to get super mad in this last question. Yeah, let's I'm go. I'm just kind of curious. You get a lot of calm experience. What do you think, like... 10, 20 years from now, like what is the future of telecommunications? Because we're seeing, it seems like every episode we talk about some sort of decentralization. You're seeing yeah. everything being decentralized. And at the same time, you see the ISPs essentially holding and wielding so much control. Mm-hmm. And, you know, prior to us recording, we were talking about how like, it's like, you know, having a cell phone and having data access, almost like a utility now. And it's very hard to live kind of a modern life, at least in this country, without some sort of like cell phone or device to be able to like communicate and to do a lot of things. Right. Yeah. What, do you have any thoughts on that in terms of like where we, where are we headed, you know, five, 10, 20 years from now? I think that personally is where you're at. Um, the evolution is not the same for each individual person geographically. Right. Yeah. You could be in Appalachian mountains and all you want is internet connectivity. You could be in Houston and you're getting 5g millimeter wave. Right. So that evolution in itself is, is I think we're going to see everything's connected uh, in some, some form or fashion, right? Uh, and you'll hear the word IoT thrown around a lot, machine-to-machine gateways, connectivity. You know, all, as we moved more towards autonomy um, and, and bridging that digital divide, uh, I see like the, the Leos, right? I'm excited, really excited about that. And, and a lot of people are, you know, well, doesn't that take away from cellular? Sure. But it gives you another, another endpoint into the the internet of things, right? So Leo is, is, I'm what's, really, what's Leo? I'm sorry. What is Leo? Uh, your Starlinks, your Starlinks, OneWebs. Yeah. Um, okay. That's all Leo, right? And Leo's all been around, right? That's what I was about to ask. But not in the data capacity like... that, it, that, that it's potentially going to be at um, here in the near future. Yeah. So I'm really excited about that because that opens up so many possibilities for other things to occur yeah. uh, with the connected devices. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it really comes down to autonomy, bandwidth, data transfer, and, and reduced latency. Once that occurs and you can get your data in real time, you know, sub 50 millisecond latency, uh, it's going to be a game changer for what's out there in, in the world today. Um, right now, you know, it's just a problem with the digital divide of you have people that can't even get connectivity at all. So. Yeah, I mean, that's what uh, a couple of days ago on the podcast, I had Jai Energy, a big Bitcoin mining uh, outfit up in Wyoming and I was talking to them because someone 
asked me the other day, like, hey, you know, what speed and bandwidth do you need for mining out on remote locations? And um, I was like, you know, I, I don't think it's much of a speed. It's much of it is a latency issue. Yep. And I think about, you know, like Starlink coming out and what that just enables, you know, one, not just in the United States, but all over the world. And I saw this tweet from Elon Musk the other day. Um, I can't remember exactly what the tweet was, but essentially the gist of it, someone was asking about like, how do you deal with regulators that, you know, want to have kind of control on the internet? And his answer was they can shake their fists at the sky. And I thought that was badass. <laughs> like they can't do anything if you're broadcasting it, you know, from, from space. So yeah. I think that that will open up a lot of opportunity um, with, you know, remote operations um, in these just kind of desolate places. But, um, you know, it, it's also got to be proven out too, uh, right? Like, yeah. Uh, that's interesting that you said Leo's, it's been around for a while. I didn't know that. Iridium. Iridium's a Leo solution. Yeah. Right. So if you're yeah. on the top of a mountain, you click up your little cell phone, right? It, it, it's just the throughputs wasn't there, right? Yeah. Um, it's, it's not, <clears throat> there's decent throughput, right? But nowhere near the the type of speeds that Starlink's looking at, or yeah. OneWeb, or uh, yeah. or any other solution like that. It's so it's it's a uh, it's unique in the sense of the amount of bandwidth and throughput that you'll be able to achieve uh, on that capacity. Yeah, just like I mean, say Starlink took off and yeah. it works. I mean, how does that you know how does that affect y'all's business and and your model? I mean, I guess some would argue like, oh, this is going to displace. No. everything and remote comms but i don't know shit about communications so yeah you, in this space you have to be somewhat of a chameleon right um everything's going to change right the same thing could have been said about vsat um 10 to 15 years ago yeah. where what are you going to do when cellular comes out right yeah <laughs> uh, and, and here we are right yeah and so you adapt uh and you mm -hmm. overcome and and you actually accept those challenges and you say how can i use this to further the the advancements of connectivity yeah um, it's the consumer that drives that not you Right. Mm -hmm. and, and so if the consumer is, is looking for better reliability, connectivity and better services and throughput and let's do it. Right. And if there's a capacity and a means to make that happen, uh, we see that as an opportunity, uh, not a threat. And, and, yeah. and I think if you're in the technology space, it's every day's evolving. There's yeah. always something cool that is, is just around the corner um, that you have to keep your, your ear to the ground on and, and, and think how could you leverage this to provide a better service to, to your, your current customers? Yeah. I mean, this conversation is really interesting to me because I think about the world and connectivity and the positive impacts that it has. And it's funny enough because you yourself, you don't have any social media accounts, <laughs> but we were literally talking about this before we got on the mic of, you know, people um, like, Oh, you know, crime's just going up. It's like, no, well, you just, you know, you see it being live streamed yeah, in real you time on data. Twitter. Yeah. But I mean, there's plenty of data, plenty of data that shows that the world's becoming a better place. Yeah. And yeah. I think, you know, if you look at war, like war is, I mean, it's abysmal, right? Like it is the worst thing that can happen on the planet and war is trending down. And I think that it trends down over time as the world becomes connected. We start understanding people across the world, they understand us. We're able to share, you know, culture, knowledge. So connectivity, I think, is just a massive contributor to progress in the world. And so kind of hear like the technical aspect of like, hey, how do we actually connect? Like, how do we do it? Yeah, I, yeah. I think that's, and it's just kind of funny that you're off of social media because you're 
like the man when it comes to connectivity, but like, I'm not going to connect with anyone. No, <laughs> no look, it, it, so like, I'm going to make it where y'all can connect. If you want to know how, how I'm doing, right? You have my number. You can damn sure call me. Yeah. You can call me. Right. Uh, I think it's very passive and it's the most, uh, it's very unsocial. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I think I have my 20 year reunion coming up and I just think, why are we doing this? Right. Like I know what you had for dinner last night, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. uh, just the way information is shared. So yeah. it, it's, uh, it's, it's changing the way and it, and it, I'm not against it. Uh, I just refuse not to participate in it for the yeah. time being. Uh, that makes sense. I like these these, these conversations better. Oh right? yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes perfect sense. But yeah, I'm excited to see. Um, you know, I didn't even realize it until until we started talking about it. But I was like, man, I haven't heard anyone bitch about mm-hmm. connectivity issues being the barrier. Like it just it kind of woke me up. Like that's something that we used to hear. Even on the early days of the podcast, people mm-hmm. talked about that. And yeah. Just don't hear about it anymore. I used to have so. to, like, we had to, com- like, so back in the day with GDS, where we had to completely rewrite our field data capture application to hold more data in an offline mode because we had, it was, we were literally, the client that we were working with had wells out in Utah, out on the Indian lands, and there was, like, not shit for connectivity. And, and, right. And so more, we had yeah. to capture, like, months and months of production data, pressures, all sorts of stuff. Yep. Uh, and being able to store it in offline mode in Chrome on an iPad and then being able to upload it. And that, that goes to the the talking point of there's more options, right? So yeah. you can have a, a couple of different tier one carrier providers uh, in your cellular modem and then have a backup VSAT, right? Yeah. Uh, or, or vice versa, right? However you want to run your network. And and so, you know, you look back, you were more single threaded. So if that mm-hmm. one carrier, would, if that one service went down, there were no other options. So there's yeah. just those, those options open up a lot more opportunity for, for more stable and resilient connectivity. So, yep. Cool, man. So if people want to check out symmetry, where can they find you guys? Right. You have, you yeah. have a dedicated, I mean, you said you launched the product before you had a website. So I'm assuming you have a oh, website no, now. No, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, symmetry.com S I M E T R Y.com. All right. Um, cool. And then if you want to get a hold of us by phone, one eight three three symmetry, Again, that's S-I-M-E-T-R-Y. I would usually say, and we'll put his LinkedIn <laughs> URL in the uh, show notes, but I can't say that this time. So you can't find him. <laughs> you got you you to call, you you call, call that number. Right? You hit the sales team. <laughs> All right. Say you want to talk cash. to cash. I'm here. <laughs> right. I'm open the phone book. You got to do it the old-fashioned way. <laughs> that's, get a hold of me. I love it, man. Well, thanks for coming on the show. That was yeah. a really interesting conversation. Hey, thank you for having me. I appreciate yep. it. Yeah, absolutely. I guess uh, by the time this goes out, I think it'll go out right around ETN. We have Energy Tech Night Midland on October 18th at Yoga Theater. If you haven't signed up, it's going to be awesome. Uh, we got six different companies presenting. Uh, and we've got ETN Houston on October 27th, the very next week. Symmetry is going to be there. They're going to be presenting. Uh, so if you actually want to see uh, the technology live or you just can't find Cash's email or you can't reach out to him, you can catch him in person. So everybody can bombard him there at the Heights Theater. September 27th. We'll see you guys there. Catch you in the next episode. Come, 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 come.